This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, Bryce, what did you get your mum for Mother's Day? Mate, to be honest, I just sent her a text message. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. That's terrible, man. Well, you know yeah. what you should have done? should have done what I did. What'd you do? Gone on to equitymates.com slash stake, signed yeah. up, and got your mum some shares. What are you talking about? You can't go and buy your mum shares. Yeah, mate. With stake, you can gift shares to other people. Mate, that's not bad. So, how does that happen? So, all you have to do, go to equitymates.com slash stake, sign up through our website, get yourself a free 25 bucks when you fund your account, and then you can go on and buy shares for other people. So I bought my mum a nice little parcel of Apple shares for Mother's Day. Nice, an apple pie. Yeah, yeah. I've been, <laughs> I've been on them for a while about starting investing. And I thought, you know what? Why don't I just take it into my own hands and get them started? So you can do that too. That's actually probably one of the coolest presents I've heard about, Ren. So all I need to do is head to equitymates.com forward slash stake. I'll sign up to an account and then fund it and then they're going to give me free brokerage on any transaction in the US and 25 bucks into the my account and then I can send Apple or Amazon or any stock in the US to my mum for next Mother's Day. So that's going to yeah. be better than sending a text message. Mate, if, you, if I hear about you sending a text to the lovely <laughs> Anne next Mother's Day, I'll be having a stern word with you. <laughs> Mate, I'll make sure I sign up to stay before <laughs> that happens. <laughs> that's what I like to hear. Nice. That's equitymates.com forward slash stake for free brokerage, 25 bucks into your account. Equity Mates. I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is cumulative. What I learned at 20 is Welcome to another episode of Equity Mates. We break down the world of investing from beginning to dividend so that you can hopefully make some returns. My name is Bryce and as always, I'm joined by the very switched on smart man, young fellow, <laughs> Alec Renahan. How are you going, bro? Oh, I'm very good, Bryce. You're a very intelligent young fellow yourself. <laughs> good to be back. And we're on a journey at the moment of thinking like Warren Buffett. And I'm hoping that by the end of this episode, you and I, uh, both channeling Warren Buffett very strongly, uh, are well on our way to a multi-billion dollar fortune similar to him when he was our age. I think I would be the 
uh, Buffett and you would be the monger in this situation? I mean, I'm not going to say no to that scenario, so <laughs> <laughs> let's lock it in. So, uh, this is the third part of our um, nine questions from Buffettology series. Yes. Yeah. A book that you're yeah. reading and that I've read. Correct. Yeah. Buffettology by Mary Buffett, Warren's daughter-in-law. And she goes in to explain some techniques that made Warren Buffett a world-famous investor. And as we just said last episode, if not the world-famous, arguably the world-famous, most world-famous. Anyway, so <laughs> <laughs> so Ren, just uh, briefly, I'll uh, jump over. So two episodes ago, we answered the first four questions. And the first one was, does the business have an identifiable consumer monopoly? Are the earnings of the company strong and showing an upward trend? Is the company conservatively financed? And does the business consistently earn high rate of return on shareholders' equity? So in those four questions, Warren was trying to get an understanding of the power of the brand and the power of the commitment from customers, I guess, and were they reluctant to change brands? Um, And he was also looking at the strength of uh, the and consistency of uh, the earnings that these companies make and if they are giving return to their shareholders. So we answered those four questions. Definitely head back and listen to them because these are all questions that you guys can answer yourselves as well. There's nothing fancy about them and, and Ren and I haven't spent hours and hours researching these. All the information is public, publicly available and it's a, a great place to start if you have a company in mind. Definitely go back and, and start when at uh, the episode we discuss those four questions. Then last episode, Ren, we jumped into part two and looked at the way that the companies retain their earnings. And as we mentioned, Buffett loves compounding uh, and the, the concept of it. And he says that it's a, a way that you can become really rich. And so we looked at number five was, does the business get to retain its earnings? So does the business get to put all of its earnings back into the company and uh, keep compounding and growing on those earnings or do the the earnings get paid out in um, a high percentage of dividends which he regards as not the best way to sort of use the earnings that the company generates and then number six was how does the business spend sorry how much does the business spend on maintaining current operations so looked at how much the business needs to spend on its day-to-day functioning does it need to continuously buy equipment does it need to continuously spend capital to keep the business chugging along or you know is it a reasonably lean business and and can make a lot of money without spending too much money in the process so ren you chose resmed yep and it is a it's a medical device manufacturer started in australia now based in america that creates uh sleeping devices for people with sleep apnea nice one and i went on the other side of the fence and chose a commodity-based company called Bora limited bdl uh, that specializes in uh, construction materials and and building uh, at an international scale um, concrete cement plasterboards roof tiles that sort of stuff and since discussing two episodes ago they've decided to sell part of their business in the US in concrete and quarries. So that's going to be an interesting discussion point in a few seconds. Nice one. Can't wait. Yeah, me too. You. Um, so this episode, we're going to wrap these nine questions up. Ren, we're going to do seven, eight, and nine. Yep. And, and then we'll, we'll just give a quick summary of 
um, all all nine, and I guess give an end score for our the businesses that we've chosen and whether or not a we think we have thought like Warren Buffett and B, <laughs> Warren would choose the companies that we've we've picked. So let's kick off. So number seven, is the company free to invest retained earnings in new business opportunities or expansion of operations or share repurchases? And how good a job does the management do at this? So this is a two-part question, I think, Ren, and um, happy to take your thoughts on this. But the first part of the question is, you know, with the earnings that they they get, if they are able to retain those earnings, what do they do with it? And then also, is the management of good quality and in a position to be able to do this? Are they good capital allocators, as Buffett would say? I, I assume. Yeah. So I'll answer for Resmed to start with. Sure. Yep. So the first part, uh, to recap, Resmed in last the last financial year had about two billion dollars in revenue. Its gross profit on that was about one point two billion. What it did with that remaining money, it so it invested about one hundred and forty four million dollars in R and D. Um. So developing new sort of sleep apnea technology devices, stuff like that. It bought back shares. And then it has also been paying a quarterly dividend. Since 2014, it's had $1.5 billion in share buybacks. So it is buying back its shares pretty aggressively. In terms of the second part of the question, how good a job does management do at this? I would kind of be guessing here, to be honest with you. Um, yeah. I've only been looking at the company for a little bit. It seems like they do a pretty good job. They have a quite a strong balance sheet. Um, they have a lot of cash on it. They have great profit margins. They've been buying back shares consistently since 2014. Um, they also pay a quarterly dividend, which you know Buffett might not love, but I'm sure the investors aren't complaining too much. It invests you know $150 million a year in R&D. So I think if you know from what I can read on paper, it looks like they're managing their capital pretty well. Nice. So score out of 10, what would you, uh, what would you give it? I don't know, eight, eight and a half. Yeah, nice. Okay. And I would say, you know, Boral, the company that I chose is is similar. So they had retained earnings of about $1.15 billion. Um, they also pay an, a dividend, $0.27, cents, so uh, they don't retain all of it. Um, but in terms of expansion of operations, that's where they decided to deploy their capital in 2017. And they uh, bought a U.S. building materials firm uh, called Headwaters International for $3.5 billion in 2017. So, significant purchase. And I'm thinking perhaps that's partly why they've sold off this other uh, concrete uh, quarries and concrete business in the, in the States for $45 million, maybe partly to help fund this deal. And, and this is probably... Uh, a, an acquisition that is more in in line with uh, their strategy going forward, but yeah, they've spent three and a half billion on um, expanding operations. And in terms of the other parts of the question, as similar to you, Ren, they did a share purchase uh, buyback, which is where the company buys back a proportion of its own shares. Uh, they did that back in 2015. Unless I'm wrong, I don't think they've done one since. They did a share purchase buyback of $236 million. Uh, but since then, 
I haven't been able to find any info that says they have done uh, likewise. Buffett does really like share buybacks. Um, he thinks it's a sign that the company is very confident in themselves and the direction that they're going. So that's just something to keep in mind when you do see companies saying that they're going to do a buyback. It's it's probably worth pointing out here. So he recently put another $75 million into Apple on top of what he already owned. And he was asked at the shareholder meeting, the Berkshire Hathaway shareholder meeting, what he thought about Apple because Apple had announced another $100 billion share buyback. Yeah. Buffett said, why wouldn't he like uh, Apple doing a share buyback? From doing nothing at all, his ownership in the company has gone from like 5% to 7% or something through the buyback. Do you want to just briefly explain, Ren, how that comes about? I mean, if if you're first listening to this show and we're talking about share buybacks and, and stuff, how can his share percentage go from five to seven percent without him doing anything yeah so they're, they're actually literally buying it in the open market so you know if yeah. you're if you put a sell order to sell some of your apple stocks rather than another investor buying it apple might buy it um, and then they essentially destroy it. it just they take it away so it no longer exists yeah so you know say there's 10 10 shares in a company and the company's worth 100 bucks each share is worth ten dollars if the company buys five of those shares and destroys them, then there's only five shares left in the company and then each share is all of a sudden worth $20. So yeah. it's a way of increasing the value of each remaining share. Yeah. Sometimes it can be done in, in, in the wrong manner by companies, but more often than not, uh, you wouldn't. companies general, generally don't do it unless they're in a reasonably strong financial position to do so. That's the theory. 13D Research recently did some work on it. And the amount, for, for example, the amount that uh, the big US banks paid in share buybacks in the few years leading up to the GFC was about the same as the US government bailout that then came in 2009. Oh. There you go. Yeah. Um, and then another example is GE. GE is notorious yeah, yeah. for share buybacks. And all of that capital that they used to buy back shares, they now really could be using to um, to be doing better. Um, I think they've got a lot of debt that they haven't paid down because instead they bought back shares and they're really suffering now because of it. So um, in, a, in a perfect world, companies buy back shares when they're undervalued and it is good for shareholders. In the real world, uh, when markets aren't efficient, a lot of the time, companies buy back shares when the price is too high and when they could be using that money for better things. Well, you've just given a great example of the answer to question seven, as, as we just said, is you know what do they do with their earnings and does their management do a good job at it? And in that case, the first part of the question was, uh, the, is the company free to invest retained earnings and, and expansion of operations or share repurchases? And in GE's case, yes, they were and they did, but was the management actually good at doing it well it probably seems that they made the wrong decision so that's something that needs to be considered and, and Buffett in this question obviously would consider that quite intently yeah so I mean it's really hard to get an understanding of if management's good at doing it or not but I mean as you said Ren you gave a, a, a great uh, idea of how you can do that and it's just by looking at the balance sheet and getting an understanding of their debt levels and and how strong the balance sheet is so that would probably be the, the best place to start i think with management though as well read, read what they put out like read the public statements if you have time listen to the management on the conference calls and stuff like that you can generally get a good feel of you know how honest they're being how open they are um 
Yeah. Mm. I think just mm. the more exposure you get to management, you're not going to be able to read everything on a balance sheet, but just you know, immerse yourself in companies that you're thinking about buying. Okay, so question eight, two to go. Is the company free to adjust prices to inflation? So inflation causes prices to rise and in the the book, Mary goes on to say that the problem with the commodity type business, which is Boral, the company that I've chosen, is that while prices for labor and raw material increase, it is possible that overproduction will create a situation in which the company has to drop the price of its products in order to stimulate d- demand. So in this case, the cost of production is sometimes in excess of the price the product will fetch in the marketplace. So the, the business can lose a lot of money. So I think I'll just quickly answer this one, yep. Ren, for Boral. And I mean, yes, they can increase their prices due to inflation or adjust their prices due to inflation, but I think it's much more out of their control in the marketplace than it would be for a consumer product. Yeah, I, to be honest, for Boral, I would probably say no because yeah. if Boral is adjusting their prices to for inflation but their competitors aren't, then... I wonder how much staying power yeah. they have with their customers. And and as you said, rightly so, right at the beginning in the first episode was that, you know, with a company like Boral, one of its biggest sort of advantages, or not advantages, but one of its biggest levers to pull is the price lever. And yeah. if there's a race to the bottom and inflation's going up, then, oh, well, it's tough, tough call. So... Yeah, uh, no. I'll I'll also answer quickly. Yeah, ResMed in a lot of instances, yes, because they have patent protection. There's there are some competitors, but the devices are all different, and ResMed has a pretty significant advantage in terms of brand recognition, trust with medical professionals, and stuff like that. Nice. Okay. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. So let's um let's jump on to question nine. Question nine. Will the value added by retained earnings, so still on retained earnings, will the value added by retained earnings increase the market value of the company? So we're talking about the value of the company based on its uh, stock price. Buffett uh, sub- sort, of, sort, of, sort of subscribes to this theory. He believes that the long-term investment nature of the market will continually ratchet up the price of a company's stock if it can properly, properly allocate capital and keep adding to the company's net worth. So that feeds back into question seven about good capital allocation. You know, from my point of view, Boral uh, acquisitions is one way that companies do this. And adding the market value, they buy companies and hope that the revenue that these companies start generating can start showing on their books. And then over the long term, there'll be a, a material increase in their price. But, you know, this is a... A tough one to answer, I think. What do you think, Ren? So for ResMed, I said this was a maybe. Um, yeah. Now um, the so really the the way that this happens, um, you know, you increase the the size of the company through your retained earnings, either by expanding capacity um, and developing more widgets or delivering more services or whatever it is, or taking more market share, you know, buying competitors or wh- whatever it is. So. That you you need some a catalyst to you need a catalyst for then the market to recognise the increased value. Yeah. Um, which sometimes might not come for years. Yeah. For Resmed, I said maybe because you know they 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 seem to be doing all the right things. They're trying to geographically expand. They're trying to expand their base in the countries they're in by increasing recognition for the disease. They're putting money into R and D. 
The issue is, though, if their patents expire or if their competitors, you know, through their research, find better answers to these problems, then regardless of how good they are at capital management, there there isn't necessarily a path to um, increasing their value over time. What what ResMed needs to do is to continue to be the market leader in this field and continue to have the best technology in this field. So I, I'm not sure that just by managing their capital effectively, they can say yes to this. I think there's more things that need to go right for this company um, mm. for, for that to happen. Mm. Yeah, I, I agree. That's a great summation. Uh, I think for Boral, a very similar vein, as I said, they've they've done their acquisition, so they're obviously looking to expand and potentially build on existing markets that they have or perhaps go into new markets. Although, I don't know, this stock has just been sitting around this price for a very long time, um, and I think it's a maybe as well. I don't know how much more like massive growth it has in it, to be honest. It's, yeah, what else can it do? It's pretty big. It's in a pretty <laughs> mature industry. You know, it will continue to acquire smaller players. It will continue to, you know, try and find more efficient ways to move throughout its supply chain and stuff. But yeah. you couldn't see, you know, the the hockey stick growth that you want to see in some of these companies. No, no absolutely yeah. not. All right, Ren. Well, that's, that brings us to the end of our um, thinking like Warren Buffett and... I mean, I'm really starting to get into flow and feel like Warren, so maybe. <laughs> All right, so let's um, rather, let's not recap all nine questions because we've we've go we've gone through the start of the episode, yep. but let's just uh, I just want to ask you when we finish, do you think Borrell has passed this nine question test? No. Okay. What do you think were the main things that fell down on? So, firstly, uh, Warren doesn't like commodity style businesses. Primarily because of its uh, the inability for pricing power, and um, also because of the ongoing capital requirements to keep these businesses running, it's, they're quite high. And I think those are two relatively important aspects that Warren looks at um, when it comes to deciding if if it's a business worth investing in. My second, my second question was. If you were going to say, screw Warren, I'm my own man, I think for myself, what would be your case against what you just said? What, what would be the case for, Borrell? Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode, and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The case for Borrell, well... 
it's a tough one because now I have uh, now that I'm thinking like Warren, I, I can't get out of my head some of his benchmarks. <laughs> he's but he's he's got me. Yeah. So I mean, if I was to answer these questions without knowing what his benchmarks are, then I would say they have you know it st- it stacks up reasonably well against you know there's reasonable growth in um, earnings. They they have a reasonable profit percentage, operating margins not too bad. However, as, as a sort of what is the true potential? What what could I put my money in elsewhere and get probably better returns? Then I th- I think that's what would would bring me down um, to probably not buy Boral uh, as an individual investor. Although it's uh, one of those stocks that is often spoken about, so I'm sure it requires a bit more energy and effort into digging a bit deeper. It's it's something that it's an industry that I also really don't know a lot about at this stage. So I probably couldn't talk my way out of saying no. Fair enough. Yeah. Nice I'll ask you the same then, Ren. So has has ResMed passed the Buffett test? And then second part to the question is, if Buffett wasn't here and you weren't vibing him... <laughs> Wait, is Buffett here? Oh, yeah. Sorry, he's in the room. <laughs> he's our special guest. <laughs> and uh, would you would you buy it if, uh, if you were your own man? So ResMed has just not passed the test. I think it's obviously has... Strong earnings growth. It um, makes a lot of money. It um, is market leader in its field. I think that the you know the idea that you can just keep putting money into this business and it can keep returning consistently high return, it can keep achieving consistently high returns, might not hold into the future. I think it's reliant on you know I think any of these sort of pharmaceutical or medical device companies. Their leads in their markets are fleeting, and I think you know when you look at the things that Warren likes, things like Coca-Cola and C's Candy and uh, American Express, stuff like that. Apple, they, their their moats, their competitive advantages aren't fleeting. Whether it's their brand, whether it's something else, their moats are enduring. So I think maybe ResMed falls down on that. I think it's close, and if I was to, to take the other side of it. The opportunity for this company is massive, given that that you know their estimates are something like twenty percent of Americans have this issue or will have this issue in their lifetime, and yet it's I think it's like two percent of expected cases are diagnosed. Wow. Um, they, they're only in one hundred and twenty countries at the moment, so they're trying to expand geographically. There's a lot of like lifestyle factors that uh, bode well for this business. So people who are morbidly obese, I think seventy percent of them get sleep apnea. As people get more unhealthy, basically, this disease rises. So I think ResMed has some good macro trends, I think you could say. Um, and it is a market leader, so there's always that. But look, it's probably it might not be something that Warren would invest in. It might be something that I keep on my watch list, though. Yeah, nice. It's also very common stock that is discussed by many fund managers and yeah. brokers and all that sort of stuff in Australia. So The big thing I learned from this is if I'm going to buy it, I'll buy the American stock rather than the Australian one-tenth equivalent. Why though? I don't know. There's just something about actually owning the stock. I mean, there's probably no actual difference other than if you buy it in US dollars or Australian dollars. Yeah, true. It's just, well, it's buying just in US dollars as, the, as it gets stronger against the Aussie is not a bad thing anyway, so... Yeah, yeah. My question is very briefly, Ren, this is probably an, another episode uh, worth discussing. 
But do you think Apple is Warren's next Coca-Cola? And for those that are unaware of what that the context in that question, you know, Coca-Cola and Gillette and and his Gecko insurance business, Geico, are businesses that he consistently refers to and has been doing for years and years and, and he uses to sort of justify his investing decisions and, as you said, moats and all that sort of stuff. And obviously everyone is trying to find the next Coca-Cola and perhaps he's done so in Apple because I often think, Ren, why haven't I invested in Apple? Obviously it's good enough for Buffett. I haven't put any money into it. But, you know, I'm, I feel like putting money into Coca-Cola is just not going to get me the returns that it, it's obviously got him over the years. Putting money into Gillette, again, it's not probably going to get me the capital growth returns that it's got him over the years. But he's only recently just invested in Apple, so perhaps that's a sign that he thinks, you know, in 20 years' time, it's going to be returning capital growth like it uh, Coca-Cola has. What, what Have you thought about this at all? I think Warren Buffett now and Warren Buffett in the 1960s is very different. I think he just has so much cash at the moment. Yeah. He needs to find places to invest it. My concern about the analogy is that literally Coca-Cola's recipe now and, you know, back then i'm sure it's changed a little bit here and there but it's essentially the same product it's you know similar marketing campaigns it's it's just a it's just a very good business model um obviously with the main company and then all the bottling associates stuff like that you know like it it's a very good company that he you don't need to put much cash into you can just let it grow over time i feel like apple's a company that's going to need to keep coming out with you know new iPhones or new services and stuff like that. I was thinking about this though, like that's what everyone always says, oh, you know, the next iPhone better be bloody good or whatever. But like they haven't really changed what their product has been since, you know, releasing the new iPhone and they're still, you know, almost going to hit a trillion dollars. So I don't know, maybe Buffett's saying something that we're not in terms of it's it's a consumer monopoly. You know what I mean? I'm, like, I'm sure he's saying a lot that we don't say. Yeah. Um, but I think, so Apple the last few years has been doing a big push into services and, you know, like they talk about it and it's a big thing, Apple Music, uh, Apple TV, uh, I'm sure there's a bunch of other stuff that I can't think of off the top of my head, but they're trying to create the Apple ecosystem and create that like network effects monopoly almost or not quite network effect, but you know, you're in the you're in the ecosystem and you can't leave the ecosystem sort of thing. Yeah, right. And I mean, it's been a, they've been public about it, and it's been a big push for them. And that is trying to lessen the reliance on new iPhones. But I also think that if Samsung or Google come out with a cracking phone, you people will shift. Yeah, I mean, I'll definitely shift away from Apple. If if the competitor was good enough, yeah. What's good enough though? Anyway, this is probably a conversation. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably a conversation I think we've gone well over our 15 minutes. Yeah, yeah. So look, we'll wrap that up there, guys. And I, I, we both encourage you to definitely give these nine questions a crack. Uh, we'll try and get them up on our website because, yeah, you know, it, it's a really good way to start at least framing your thinking. And even if you take a couple of days to get through it, like by all means, you should definitely spend some time doing it because it will expose you to elements of the uh, financial statements and the income 
uh, statements and the balance sheet that you probably weren't aware of or you at least start getting understanding of the importance of some of the things that we've discussed. So, yeah, I think it's a really good uh, thing to do, Ren. Would you agree? Definitely. And, yeah, and have a and go and buy Buffetology by Mary Buffett as well. Yeah, and uh, sign up for Thought Starters and also uh, check out Stake, equitymates.com slash Stake. Yes, and we will be back with some new fresh material next week. Actually, and if you want to buy Buffetology, you can see it along with a number of our other books uh, that we recommend at equitymates.com slash books. Yes, previous episode I said recommended reading and I got that a bit wrong. Yeah, My bad. but we got it right this time. <laughs> yes, slash books. Check it out. Nice one. Equity mates and the people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. This is general advice only. Please speak to a financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your individual situation. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 